Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I am the Ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the Ferryman of Souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge this season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. Two years, eight months, and two days after the fact, and more circumstantial evidence now that Chuck Grassley really was being positioned to preside over the electoral college count on January 6th, and presumably he would have helped to steal the election from Biden for Trump, and we would have been looking for Pence next to Jimmy Hoffa. Bear with me on the voice. Yay, steroids. Every single time, every single time, this idea is thoroughly dismissed that there was some kind of scheme afoot to make sure Mike Pence did not make it to the joint session of the House and the Senate for the Electoral College certification on J6. Every single time it is dismissed. And God knows I've been one of the ones who dismissed it. Something new pops up. And it's weird, and it's conspiratorial, and it doesn't add up. And now it comes out of the mouth of the weirdest, most conspiratorial figure who doesn't add up in the entire Trump coup plot, John effing Eastman. This fake electors mastermind is being disbarred in California. It hasn't happened yet, but it will. 
And in cross-examination by the lawyer for the state board, Eastman was asked about his December 23, 2020 email to Boris Epstein, in which he hoped nobody in Congress would do anything to, quote, constrain Pence or Grassley from asserting the power to block Biden's election. And Eastman replied to the question on the stand, attorney-client privilege. And he said he couldn't talk about it. And when the lawyer asked which client, Eastman answered, quote, President Trump. Oh, so here we go again. The vampire of coup elements simply will not stay dead. The Huffington Post caught up with Grassley yesterday. It's not exactly a challenge. He'll be 90 in nine days. And asked Grassley again, what the F? We were talking about presiding over the Senate. He responded, well, he had the look of a man who was thinking about hitting deer with his car. But a lot of people get that mixed up with some idea that I was going to preside over the joint session. And you know, that's not what I ever intended to do, unquote. Cool. This is completely different than what Chuck Grassley and then his staff said in real time. On January 5th, 2021, Grassley said, quote, well, first of all, I will be if the vice president isn't there and we don't expect him to be there. I will be presiding over the Senate. Staff rushed to correct him, saying that was a misinterpretation. He was only talking about uh, 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 filling in for Pence when Pence took a bathroom break. Of course, the bathroom would have been over the Mexican border somewhere. Anyway, this is also not what Grassley said to the investigative reporter Lauren Windsor a year ago this month. All I can point you to is the Constitution. And the Constitution says that uh, you open up the, the votes and count. The only time that you, that you would intervene in that is if there's two slates coming from the same state. We gotta do that right now. So there, there was none of the 50 states sent in two slates. There was only one. But so if you had those two slates, you would have been able to stop the election. That's what you're saying. I'm asking. We wouldn't have been able to stop the election. We would have been able to choose between this one or that one. So we just were one slate away from having President Trump, is what you're saying. One slate away. No, you would have had to have four. I thought you said we needed two slates. Or is it two slates from two states? You'd have to have two slates from one state. You'd have to have a dispute within that state. So no, Grassley wasn't going to preside over the Senate and thus preside over the joint session of the Senate and the House during the electoral vote count because Pence was... Uh, indisposed in, 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 in a rocket ship to the sun or something. And they couldn't have been able to make Trump president instead of Biden on January 6th because there weren't two slates of electors from each state on January 6th, even though the entire point of the insurrection outside the Capitol and inside the Capitol on the afternoon of January 6th and the whole point of the 147 Republicans who voted to not certify the Electoral College vote for Biden that night was to delay the certification so that alternate slates of electors could show up from Georgia and Michigan, and Arizona, and Pennsylvania, where Jack Smith's grand jury is investigating invoices. Invoices that have turned up 
that showed that Sidney Powell hired forensic computer firms to infiltrate voting machines in Georgia and Michigan and Arizona and Pennsylvania. And now what Jack Smith's grand jury is looking at is whether or not she used Trump political donations to pay for those forensic computer firms. No big deal. Go back to sleep. Just a potential ground zero for the coup involving the president pro tempore of the Senate and the vice president who wouldn't get in the car with the Secret Service and a Trump lawyer writing an email two weeks earlier talking about Grassley, maybe instead of Pence presiding over the vote count. But but now, no, now the lawyer can't talk about that email because it's protected by attorney-client privilege and the client is Trump. I don't know what the truth is here. I only know we don't know what it is. And I am only guessing this part, but I think it's a damn good guess. If we can break John Eastman, we will get the truth. So, Mr. Special Counsel, Madam District Attorney of Fulton County, please go ahead. Please do break John Eastman. And do you get the feeling that Madam District Attorney Fonnie Willis is this close to indicting Jim Jordan for obstruction of justice, or at least that she would like to be this close? Your letter, she writes in replying to his demand last month that she turn over all the records of her investigation and indictment of the Trump 19 to Jordan and his committee to, what's it called? Oh, yeah. The Committee to Obstruct Justice. Your letter makes clear that you lack a basic understanding of the law, its practice, and the ethical obligations of attorneys generally and prosecutors specifically, unquote. Well, yeah, I thought that was our starting point. Quote, face this reality, Chairman Jordan. The select group of defendants who you fret over in my jurisdiction are like every other defendant entitled to no worse or better treatment than any other American citizen, unquote. Bonnie Willis also writes that Jordan's letter included, quote, inaccurate information and misleading statements. Its obvious purpose is to obstruct a Georgia criminal proceeding and to advance outrageous misrepresentations. There is no justification in the Constitution for Congress to interfere with a state criminal matter as you attempt to do. Unquote. Oh, and then... As Jim Jordan was staggering out of the metaphorical room, Willis need him in the groin. Quote, if you and your colleagues follow through on your threats to deny this office federal funds, please be aware that you will be deciding to allow serial rapists to go unprosecuted. Well, that's old hat for Jim Jordan. Serial rapists to go unprosecuted, hate crimes to be unaddressed and to cancel programs for at risk children. Such vengeful, uncalled-for legislative action would impose serious harm on the citizens we serve, including the fact that it will make them less safe, unquote. Again, Madam District Attorney, they're Republicans. That's their job. That's what they do. Republicans like Peter Navarro, pint-sized former advisor to Trump, who has now been convicted of criminal contempt of Congress. He defied a subpoena to testify to the January 6th committee, and that is, well, criminal contempt of Congress. 
This isn't a capital crime by any chance, is it? No, sadly, but Navarro has apparently been sentenced to be humiliated to death by that same lady with that same Trump lost sign. And people will not let me speak. This is my First Amendment right. This is what I'm going to do now uh, is allow. Um, There's cameras here. The marshals just saw you. The marshals just saw you. You're in trouble. You're in trouble. You just assaulted me. That man just assaulted me. He stuck a flagpole in between my legs. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. Um. There you go. You're All right. Now they're calling to you. I was just assaulted. Look, if you got a sign, no, I hold it over there. Liar. I can hold it anywhere I want. This yeah. is public property. It's assault. I want to press charges. Let the man talk. Charges. Are, you, are you interested in hearing him? Yeah, go ahead, Peter. Go ahead and talk. You're on shadow. I don't agree with some of your shit, but go ahead and talk, man. Go ahead and talk. No, I did it. No, I did it. Go ahead and talk, man. Go ahead. Sad day for America. Not because. Not not because they were guilty verdicts, because I can't come out and have an Steve honest- Bannon was sentenced to four months in jail for the same crime he is appealing. Navarro will likely get a similar sentence. It was Navarro and Bannon, of course, who called their plan to steal the 2020 election from Joe Biden. The, quote, Green Bay sweep after a play made famous by the Green Bay Packers football team of the 1960s. Neither of them apparently ever noticed that after the Green Bay sweep stopped working, the Packers only made the playoffs once in the ensuing 14 seasons. Meanwhile, Navarro's gnomish twin, Roger Stone, turns out he isn't dead yet either. Stone, the guy with the head shaped like an onion, and the toupee so obvious you can see where it gets stitched into his scalp the way the hair was on one of the dolls my sister had in 1970. And I continue to not really know for sure if Roger Stone is really this dumb and crazy or he just realizes that the Trump cult is really this dumb and crazy, or if it's both. Occasionally, evidence will bubble up to the top of the cesspool that is Roger Stone's life that makes me lean one way or the other. This piece of evidence suggests he's crazier. Simply put, Roger Stone does not understand nuclear war. The Biden administration is considering uh, using the War Powers Act and starting a nuclear war with the Russians in order to avoid losing the next election. Biden's going to start a nuclear war to cancel the 2024 election. See, Raj, uh, a nuclear war, it would cancel a lot more than just the election because, I'm sorry, I forgot who I was talking to here. Roger Stone does not understand nuclear war. And Roger Stone does not understand, you know, death. It's been a long time since we've gotten to watch a politician self-destruct in real time in slow motion. So enjoy Ron DeSantis while we can, because he seems to be real close to spontaneously bursting into flame. After the shooting at the Jacksonville dollar store where the self-professed Nazi mass murderer went to specifically kill black people, DeSantis was appropriately heckled at a memorial vigil. And now he has been confronted about his role ginning up racial hatred in Florida by defending slavery. It's his platform. He's been confronted about that role at an event at a bar in Jacksonville by a self-identified Air Force veteran. And Ron lost his spit. That have caused the deaths of people who were murdered a couple 
Trayvon Martin was not the first. So first of all, uh, I did not allow anything with that. Well, listen, excuse me. I'm not going to let you accuse me of committing criminal activity. I am not going to take that. I am not going to take that. So you, you should. You want to have a civil conversation, that's one thing. Try to say that I'm letting. That guy was Baker acting. He should have been, he should have been ruled ineligible, but they didn't involuntarily commit him. And so they were No, no, no. I don't no no. There is the truth. There is something about the truth. It's not everyone doesn't have their own truth. No. You don't get to come here and, and, and blame me for some madman. That is not appropriate. And I'm not going to accept The unidentified citizen was then pushed out of the room by what appeared to be DeSantis henchwoman Christina Peshaw. And I don't think anybody else on this planet looks like Christina Peshaw. And after he left, DeSantis's hack state surgeon general, Joseph Ladapo, who has told Floridians to trust DeSantis on COVID, quote, instead of all these PhDs and MDs, forgetting that he himself is an M.D., the Dopo then told the crowd that the man, quote, was obviously crazy, right? He's completely, completely disconnected. He was insane. He was insane, just totally crazy. And it's not true. It's a total lie. Quote, Dr. Unquote Ladapo may still be up there kissing DeSantis's ass, for all I know. And a reminder about DeSantis, our gun crisis may not be 100% Republican, but it is like 95% just as our democracy crisis may not be 100% Republican, but it's like 95%. And the other 5% is Elon Musk. You've already heard this story, no doubt. It's in my old boss, Walter Isaacson's new book about Musk. Walter writes that last year, Musk ordered his engineers in secret to switch off the Starlink satellite network. He had made such a big deal about supplying to Ukraine. Now, why did he do that? To prevent a Ukrainian sneak submarine drone attack on Russia's naval fleet. Elon hit the off button and the explosive laden drones lost guidance and just harmlessly floated back to shore. Musk was afraid if the attack had gone through, it would be viewed as a, quote, mini Pearl Harbor. And let's just discuss for a second what a mini Pearl Harbor might look like, country and music fans. With mini Pearl Harbor! He thought it would be viewed as a mini Pearl Harbor, according to Walter Isaacson's book, and then the Russians would respond with nuclear weapons or possibly Buck Owens and the Buckaroos. Mini Pearl Harbor. There's a punchline besides Mini Pearl. The noted Twitter liberal NYC Southpaw uncovered a Twitter exchange from October 9th, 2022, in which somebody asks Musk what his plans were for that Sunday, and Musk answers, I've been up all night trying to think of any possible way to de-escalate this war which is when the fascist blogger from Malaysia, Ian Miles Chong, replies, quote, might be a good idea to take Starlink offline for the terminals used on the front lines, could encourage them to reconsider their position on advancing towards Crimea and leading the world further into the brink of total war, unquote. Guess who Ian Miles Chong works for? RT, the Russian Propaganda Network. Five days later, sure enough, Ukraine reported widespread outages in the Starlink service. 
This country needs to revoke any security clearances Musk might have, cancel all government contracts with him and any Musk firm, particularly military ones, and if possible, deport him. He is, and this is the kindest interpretation, he is under the influence of Russia. Lastly, nothing new out of D.C., nothing. I got nothing on these sealed motions between Jack Smith and Trump's lawyers over what Smith, in the only part of this they made public, termed, quote, the defendant's daily extrajudicial statements that threatened to prejudice the jury pool in this case. What a sentence. Smith has got to be asking the judge to do something to Trump for that. Daily extrajudicial statements that threatened to prejudice the jury pool? What are we supposed to do? Send him a card of congratulations? A mini Pearl CD? He's got to do something to him. Or he wants something to be done to him. And maybe Judge Chutkin starts the trial sooner as she threatened or sanctions Trump or gags Trump, hopefully literally. Nothing new on this. But something new about this. Those blood-curdling headlines yesterday from the CNN Biden poll. Three quarters of Americans concerned about his age, including Democrats. There's no clear leader in Biden versus Trump or Biden versus DeSantis or Biden versus Dim Scott or Biden versus Pence or Biden versus the cyborg Ramaswamy. It's a nightmare. It's the end. It's, 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 it's. I told you once that MSNBC's original plan in 2003 was for a show at 8 p.m. every night called Countdown with Sam Donaldson. And then they found out that instead of getting one of America's top journalists in Sam Donaldson and prying him away from ABC, then they found out that ABC was desperately trying to get rid of Sam Donaldson. And they found this out after NBC had drawn up a contract with Sam Donaldson and they needed a way out and fast. And I was sitting there as Phil Griffin of MSNBC called up the pollster Frank Luntz and said, Frank, I need a focus group done tomorrow that shows that nobody would watch Countdown with Sam Donaldson. And I need another one that says everybody would watch Countdown with Keith Olbermann. And hot damn, the two focus groups were on Griffin's desk 48 hours later and six weeks later, we launched countdown with Keith Olbermann and without Sam Donaldson. And ever since that moment, I have known that polls and focus groups and research and pollsters, they are the balloon animals of politics. Twist them any way you want because they're just made out of hot air. That Biden shouldn't run. In fact, he should retire. In fact, he should resign. In fact, he should change his name, CNN poll. Quoting the overview in the back which is on page like 12,397, quote, surveys were obtained August 25 to 31, 2023, with a representative sample of N equals 1,503 respondents, including an oversample of Republicans and Republican-leaning independents to reach a total of 898 Republicans and Republican-leading independents, unquote. So you're telling me what here? CNN asked like 900 Republicans, but only 600 non-Republicans. These questions for their poll that shows Biden is doing poorly with Democrats and independents. Did, uh, did John Eastman take this poll? 
Or is that under attorney-client privilege? Also, you got oversample here, like junior samples from Hee Haw, along with Mini Pearl Harbor. Mini Pearl Harbor! Okay, the prednisone is kicking in, so I can still do Worse Persons, starring Republican podcaster and weenie-wagger Stephen Crowder. <coughs> That's next. This is Countdown. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans. The chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Countdown with Keith Oberman. Still ahead on Countdown. Ever heard the story of the guy who gives the owner of the new big merged automobile company early in the 20th century a suggestion for the new name of the company? And he turns down stock in the new company, and the next thing you know, the new company is General Motors. That was my great-grandfather. No, I'm not kidding. Plus, okay, I think I can get through the daily roundup of the miscreants, morons, and Dunning-Kruger effect specimens who constitute today's worst persons in the world. Let's find out, shall we? The bronze Mike Buckner. Mike is a explorer, maybe. What he surely is, is a flat earther. Mike is en route now for his big trip. By Saturday, he will have reached 
The ice wall. The ice wall. The ice wall. Come on. The thing that circles Australia and South America and Hawaii and keeps us from reaching Atlantis and Magellan's Isles and the walls of Asgard and gives us this mistaken belief that the Earth is a globe rather than the flat terrain that's just north of the frozen wastes and just east of the scorched wastes, you know. I will expose the globe myth, Buckner writes. I will live stream this journey. This will be the biggest event of all time. Mike's a loony, but he's a happy loony. He's happy now. I don't know what happens when he finds out that Atlantis is just a resort in Wisconsin, Dells, Wisconsin. The runner-up, CNN Politics. Boy, they had a bad day yesterday. You know the Tuberville story, of course? This idiot with the giant ears is holding up 300 military promotions, aiding and abetting the communists, according to the Secretary of the Navy, in a political stunt. And then he has the gall to complain that aboard naval vessels, they're doing poetry. Like, what would that matter to Tommy Tuberville? He can't read. And the people who voted for him can't read. You know how CNN politics headlined this story, how this disloyal, anti-American, backwards, failed football coach Oaf is undercutting the American military? This was their headline on CNN's website. The escalating feud between Democrats and Senator Tommy Tuberville over the Alabama Republicans' hold on roughly 300 military nominees could soon lead to an even riskier situation. Really, CNN? The escalating feud is between Tommy Tuberville and people who like America. An escalating feud between Democrats and Tuberville. Tuberville ought to be in prison. It's not a feud. There aren't two sides here. You aren't playing it straight down the middle. That headline is lending authenticity to a dickhead, racist, cracker, scumbag doing the work of China from Alabama. Shame on you. But our winner, someone who knows no shame, disgraced conservative influencer Stephen Crowder who has been gradually disappearing from the conservative scene since he was accused by one group of male employees of exposing himself to them. Then he was accused by another group of exposing himself to them. Then he was accused by another group of sending them pictures of it. Crowder has now bought an Elon Musk ad. And this is telling. It only appeared in like 2,000 users' feeds in the first four hours. And it was retweeted a total of three times. Three times! The ad reads, quote, Can't stand liberals? Need a laugh? Follow me to heal thyself, unquote. A laugh, Crowder? You mean you're going to expose your junk again? Stephen and hand out magnifying glasses? Crowder, today's worst person. Now, I can't do the high end of this. Worst person in the world. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. To the top of the countdown on the number one story and my favorite topic, me, and what is some much-needed comic relief today, I think, though my late father would never have agreed with that statement. Not at all. My great-grandfather told this story something like every day until he died. It was legendary in the family. There is considerable circumstantial evidence that it is all true. And the last possible date that it could have happened was 114 years ago last Friday, September 16th, 1908. Antony Zelinski was born in Krakow in Poland in 1868. My sister just found some evidence that he changed the way his name was spelled, that it was originally Zelensky, with two Y's or two I's at the end, just like the Ukrainian president. We're kind of pleased with her discovery. Antony, or as my father nicknamed him, the great financier, was a natural musician. He could sing, play any instrument. He could compose music and lyrics. He could teach you how to play. He could build or repair anything from a kazoo to a grand piano. And that from his late teens, is how he made his money. He traveled all around Europe from maybe 1886 onwards, staying at rich people's houses for several days, teaching the girls how to sing and the boys how to play whatever was lying around the house, fixing the family harpsichord, cobbling together the odd flute. One day, we're guessing around 1889, 1890, he traveled to the home of well-off merchants in Odessa, then part of Russia, the Shevchenkos. He taught the boys how to sing and the girls how to play the organ, and then he uh, fell in love with the youngest daughter, Matrona. The Shevchenkos were not happy when they discovered them in love and chased my great-grandfather and their daughter out of the house, out of the city, and out of the country. 
Antony went home to Poland, married his child bride, returned to Krakow, where all of his family then chased them out of that house, out of that city, and out of that country. Get lost with you and your Russian whore, he would later tell the nephew for whom my father was named, Teddy. Antony and Matrona had to think fast. It's 1889, 1890. Where's a hardworking guy thrown out of Russia and Poland going to go? They arrived in New York City within weeks. As I said, he was a natural musician. He picked up English quickly, and supposedly within a month or two, he was leaving his wife, my great-grandmother, in an apartment in the Bronx and getting on trains for distant cities as far west as Chicago, going to the rich people's homes and getting $100 to teach them music, write music, repair musical instruments, and then get right back on the train to New York. Though he earned a very good income doing this, especially for an immigrant, Antony and Matrona lived frugally, often without hot water in their home, because my great-grandfather was now driven, driven to avenge himself. Teddy, he would tell his nephew, who told my dad, I save every dollar I can save. I invest in the safest investment in the world, the Polish national bonds. For one day I shall return to Krakow. I shall buy the biggest house on top of the biggest hill and stand outside all day, waving my money at my relatives who made me and your aunt leave and saying to them, F you, this is my goal. And on and on this went for a decade and more until he went to Flint, Michigan, to do his usual routine, to stay at the house of a prosperous American, write a family song, repair the broken tuba, teach the kids to play the guitar, and generally delight the family. In this case, the family of a businessman who he remembered as Mr. Billy. Came the end of my great-grandfather's stay with Mr. Billy in Michigan and his family in Michigan, and Mr. Billy was so taken with Antony Zielinski that he took him personally to the train station in Flint and went with him onto the platform to wait for the train. Mr. Zielinski, he said, we have been delighted to have you here, that I would be honored if you would accept, instead of the $500 I owe you, please take $1,000 in stock certificates from my business, my way of saying thanks and hoping you can return and visit us again. My great-grandfather said he was almost moved to tears by the gesture. But, Mr. Billy, he explained, I live very inexpensively and I invest all my money in the world's safest investment, the Polish national bonds. Mr. Billy congratulated Antony on his prudence, but said, I believe I am at the cusp of the next great business in this country. I would again offer you this stock. I think you will make so much money that you could buy all the Polish national bonds. My great-grandfather, standing there on the train station in Flint, Michigan, thought for a moment. I know, Mr. Billy, you mentioned you own a manufactory in town. What is this you manufacture? Mr. Billy said, we are in the automobile business, Mr. Zelinsky. My great-grandfather lit up. Ah, yes, the streets of New York are filled with automobiles. This is the coming thing. But I will still take the cash and invest in the world's safest investment, the Polish national bonds. The train was late. There was an awkward silence now between them, which my great-grandfather finally broke. Do I know the name of your company, Mr. Billy? Mr. Billy replied, well, that's the topic of the moment, Mr. Zelinsky, and I must say, having gotten to know you a little bit, I'm not at all surprised you brought this subject up. Currently, my company is called Buick Motor Cars. My great-grandfather said, ah, yes, Buick. I've heard of Buick. You're changing the name? 
Not exactly, said Mr. Billy. I believe the automotive business is going to grow exponentially, but we have one large company in the field, Ford, and we have dozens of smaller ones like Buick, and I'm about to buy up several of my competitors and form one big company, bigger than Ford, and we will dominate automobiles for decades to come. Ah, yes, said my great-grandfather. And what will you call this behemoth? Mr. Billy laughed. Again, you cut to the heart of the matter, Mr. Zelensky. We are debating that right now. We need a name that expresses our national stature. My great-grandfather shook his head at the obviousness of this. The problem is an easy one, no? You use national, national motor cars. Mr. Billy laughed. Again, your insight is extraordinary. That was our first thought as well. But would you believe there is a company in Indiana, of all places? They make electric automobiles, which will never work, and they're called national motor vehicles. We need another name. American is also taken. Continental is taken. Damn it, Mr. Zelensky, we can't think of a good name that isn't already taken. My great-grandfather, who had just turned down the stock, and $1,000 worth of the stock in this company, thought for a second. You wish to express the national, the American, the broadly available or available, national, continental, national, uh, what is the word in English? The uh, general, the general availability of your vehiculars. Well, Mr. Billy, why not that? Why not general? General automobiles, general automotive, general motor car, maybe uh, general motors. Now it was time for Mr. Billy to become pensive. Finally, he spoke. General Motors. Hmm. It does have a certain ring to it, Mr. Zelinsky. Oh, look, here's your train. Ah. <sighs> Mr. Billy was, of course, Billy Durant, and he owned Durant Dort. And then he owned Buick, and then he consolidated 13 auto manufacturers and 10 parts and accessory companies together into, as it was called on the day Billy and his partners opened the escrow account, Wednesday, September 16, 1908, General Motors Holding Company. My great-grandfather, having gotten another $500 to invest in the world's safest investment, instead of $1,000 in stock in not General Motors in 1908, but the company that would become General Motors and having given its chairman the name General Motors for free, waved goodbye, got on the train, returned to New York. He died 15 years later, and to his credit, we know of the detail of this story because the person who told it to everyone with a laugh, with a warning to his relatives that none of them had the genes of a businessman either, was my great-grandfather himself. Needless to say... This good, self-deprecating humor makes him my favorite of all my ancestors. And I hope wherever he went when he died in 1923, his humor went with him. Because there were several postscripts to this story that lend it authenticity and induce further rage in his descendants. My father was very much alive in 1940. He was an 11-year-old boy with his Uncle Teddy, Anthony's nephew, living with my dad and grandparents and my uncles in the Bronx. My dad, who did not meet his grandfather, Anthony Zelinsky, said there was a knock on the apartment door one day, and he opened it to the sight, as he put it, of the two best suits of clothing I had ever seen. The men wearing them asked for my dad's uncle. He got him. And the men began to speak Polish to Uncle Teddy. Gentlemen, 
We are here in America. You will please speak English in front of my family. Mr. Zelinsky, one of them said, we know that your uncle left you his investments in Polish national bonds. He was obviously a great patriot. We represent the Polish government in exile. When we run the Nazis out of our homeland and freedom is again ours, I know your uncle would have, and you would, want the free Polish national state to not be burdened financially, to be unburdened, in fact, to the greatest possible degree. Mr. Zelensky, your uncle was the fourth largest private investor in Polish national bonds in North America. In fact, he was just behind the National Bank of Mexico. Will you retire his bonds for a nominal fee as a great Polish patriot? My dad was never sure how nominal the fee was, but he was convinced his uncle got less than $500 for what was at least $100,000 in bonds due in the year 1950 or later. My dad did not spend his life wondering about his grandfather's magnificent moment of investment stupidity, but it would occasionally wake him in the middle of the night. And on his nightly commutes from Manhattan to our little home in the suburbs, he came to know the other regulars on the train, just like Don Draper did on Mad Men. Same train, in fact. And one of the regulars on the train turned out to be a stock historian. Eventually, Dad told him the story of Antony Zelinsky and Billy Durant and General Motors, and the stock historian invited him to stop by the office at lunch one day. Sit down, Ted. And I mean, sit down, Ted. The historian showed his math. This was what $1,000 in Buick in 1908 turned into when Billy Durant created General Motors in 1908. And here's where it split. And see, and here's where it split again, and here's where it quartered after they forced Durant out, and then he bought Chevrolet, and he came back in and took over General Motors again, and it split, and my father said he started to sweat. Just tell me already! Ted, the $1,000 your great-grandfather turned down in General Motors in 1908 would now be worth approximately $60 million. My father said he struggled to not pass out. His friend from the train then said plus the value of the name. I can't get that exactly, the stock historian said, but it's got to be another couple million, five, ten maybe, especially if he'd taken stock in exchange for the name. There's one more twist to the knife. Well, so far, there's still plenty of time for more. When the unions ran the Soviets out of Poland and Lech Walesa became president of the Free Poland in 1990, he gave a speech establishing the new government. He spoke naturally in Polish. Until, that is, it was time to address one topic. The president read that part of the speech in English. My government will recognize and honor the following years of the Polish national bonds. My father called me in Los Angeles that night. He had spoken to his stock historian friend again and gotten a new rough estimate. My great-grandfather had turned down 60, maybe $70 million in General Motors stock to keep, say, $100,000 in Polish bonds due in the year 1950. And Lech Walesa had just said, we'll pay on those bonds that were due in 1950. And so if great-grandfather's nephew, Teddy, had just sat on them, those bonds would have been worth five or six million dollars. Keith, my father said quietly, let me remind you again what the great financier, my grandfather, told everyone, told all of us. None of us, none of us have the genes of a businessman. 
Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I am the Ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the Ferryman of Souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge the season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.